Oh man, the world would be so much better if people marked a day off to pray. Uncommon Favor, Part 11, Uncommon Prayer, Part 2. Welcome to Brothers of the Word, because, brother, you need the Word. (laughs) We welcome all of you joining us by television and those of you joining us online at brothersoftheword.com or social media. Welcome to today's service. Always a wonderful delight and blessing and joy to have you to tune in and Join us. I would like to share just a little humor. These are some children's letters to God. Some children's letters to God. Little Jane wrote, she said, Dear God, in Sunday school they told us what you do. My question is, who does it when you are on vacation? (laughs) Little Allison wrote her letter to God and she said, Dear God, I read the Bible. What does begat mean? Nobody will tell me. (laughs) And little Lucy wrote in her letter to God. She said, Dear God, are you really invisible or is that just a trick? (laughs) And little Jane wrote in her letter. She said, Dear God, instead of letting people die and having to make new ones, why don't you just keep the ones you got now? (laughs) Little Neil wrote, he said, Dear God, I went to this wedding and they kissed right in church. Is that okay? Little Patrick wrote in his letter to God, he said, Dear God, are there any patriarchs around today? (laughs) And the last one, little Lois, she wrote in her letter to God, she said, Dear God, I like the Lord's Prayer best of all. Did you have to write it a lot or did you get it right the first time? I have to write everything I ever write over and over again. Praise God. Well, we're talking about uncommon favor. We've done 10 parts. In the last part, we got over into Daniel's prayer life. And so I kind of subtitled that uncommon favor part 10, but also uncommon prayer, uncommon prayer. So we started talking about prayer. And so today we're doing part two of I guess you could say Uncommon Favor Part 11 slash Uncommon Prayer Part 2. But anyway, let me read this verse. We're talking about Daniel. And in this particular verse, this is after the king had been tricked. He had been tricked by Daniel's adversaries who wanted to cause him harm. They were jealous of him. So they were scheming and conniving to bring him down. They wanted to do him harm. They wanted to see him suffer. They were jealous because God was blessing him so, and he had so much favor in his life. And they just couldn't take it. It just rubbed them the wrong way. And so not everybody will like it when you're blessed. Not everybody will like that. And uh, you have some haters out there. And so they went to the king, had the king to, they drew up a decree. They fooled the king, drew up a decree and said, King, if anybody prays to any other god or makes a request of any other man besides you, 
They should be thrown to the lions. And, you know, the king didn't think much of it. and It sounded okay with him, and so he signed it. And so later on, we pick up in the book of Daniel, chapter 6, verse 10 and 11. And this is how Daniel responded after he heard the decree that the king had signed. Verse 10 says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Verse 11, then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And so what we learn from the book of Daniel, we learn the importance of prayer. We learn the importance of prayer being the foundation of our lives, being the background, the structure of our lives, the foundation of our lives. We find out that prayer is our opportunity to love on God and allow God to love on us. And, and so it's really about relationship. It's about relationship. And so we said that prayer is God's gift to us. It's a wonderful gift. So prayer is a wonderful gift to us. And in what we learn from Daniel, if you notice the fact that he prayed three times a day, every day, the lesson to us is that speaks to us of consistency, consistency, consistency. Everybody say consistency. Consistency is where the power is. The power is in consistency. What you do occasionally only yields occasional results. And so if you want consistent results, you have to be consistent in the things that you do. Daniel didn't just start praying when this decree was given that no one could pray. Daniel had been praying all the time. It was his consistent prayer life. He had the habit of daily prayer. It was part of his life. It's who he was, and he was consistent in his prayer life. And it speaks to us very simply that we ought to pray daily, and we ought to pray throughout the day. Daniel prayed daily, and he prayed throughout the day. He prayed daily and throughout the day. And notice this, he had a regular place, and he had a regular time. So that lets us know that we should have a regular place of prayer. We should have a regular time. Choose a regular place. Choose a regular time. And I'll add this. Keep a journal. Keep a journal. Keep a journal so that you can record things that God will drop in your heart, any insights that God gives you. You can write them down and you can record. You should have a prayer journal. So you should have a regular place, a regular time, keep a prayer journal. And we learn, you know, that this quiet time, this solitary time is so vital, it's so important in our lives. It's so powerful, and many miss out on that wonderful benefit that God has given us, the wonderful gift and the privilege of prayer. 
And so Daniel illustrates the power of it. He shows it. He demonstrates it. He lives it out. It is his life. And so the message screams to us of quiet time and prayer and having the solitude and being solitary in prayer. And we are able to glean that message from Daniel's life. Now, let me just share with you a little bit about the way Jesus prayed, the way Jesus prayed. Jesus had a tremendous prayer life. Jesus delighted in prayer. Jesus withdrew from crowds and he would spend time with God because of his deep love for the Father. Jesus knew that God was eagerly waiting to meet with him. And so Jesus had a tremendous, powerful prayer life. And I want to take you through some scriptures just to take a look at the prayer life. You know, a lot of people talk about, myself included, a lot of people talk about the miracles of Jesus and the great signs and wonders that he did. But not many people talk about the prayer life of Jesus. Prayer precedes miracles. Prayer precedes miracles. And so before the great miracles and before the great ministry, it was always undergirded by prayer. Prayer was the foundation of Jesus' life. And I want to take you through some scriptures so we can see it in Jesus' life, the same way we saw it in Daniel's life. If you have your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. It says this, it says, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. So we miss that part of Jesus' life. Notice that. And it came to pass in those days that he went out to a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. He just spent the night with God, just loving on the Father, receiving from the Father. And no, Jesus just got carried away. He loved the Father. The Father loved him. Jesus understood that in order for him to bring heaven on earth, he had to be connected with heaven. He had to receive the resources of heaven. And he loved God. He had fellowship with God. He prayed all night. It just got so good, he didn't want to cut it off. But at the same time, heaven was downloading into him. He was receiving from heaven. So it was the power of his ministry. It was the power of his ministry. And there's a reason he spent all night in prayer. And that's why you see the miracles. Because it had been birthed in prayer. And many people miss that. Flip over to, let me show you another one. Luke chapter 5, verse 16. Luke chapter 5, verse 16. Luke chapter 5, verse 16. It says... He withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. I want you to see the intentionality there. He withdrew himself. He withdrew himself into the wilderness. He didn't stumble into the wilderness. No, he withdrew himself. Jesus basically said, I need to go pray. I need to go pray. He understood. He loved the Father so much. He wanted to be with the Father, and he also understood 
This is how he received the resources of heaven to do what he needed to do in the earth. He had to be connected with God. And there was just so much fun and so much fellowship. And God was so eager to pour in and he was so eager to bless God. And so actually it's a pleasure. It's a privilege. It's a gift. It's a gift to us to be able to spend time with God. What a wonderful gift. What a powerful gift. He withdrew himself. He withdrew himself into the wilderness to pray. There should be times in your life you should withdraw yourself. We can get so busy in life, man, I mean, you know, from the time the alarm clock goes off in the morning and you're rushing to get breakfast and showering and getting the kids out and getting to work and then you get home and you're trying to get dinner and you're trying to help with the homework and you're trying to do this and that. You watch a little TV and you go to sleep and then it all starts all over again the next day. And you can get such a busy, preoccupied life that we miss the most important thing. So Jesus withdrew himself. So we have to learn to withdraw from the busyness and be intentional about spending time. So Jesus was very intentional about his prayer life. And he had to excuse himself and he probably told his disciples, guys, I have to go pray. I'll be back. I'll see you guys in a few hours. But I have to go pray. It's something I have to do. something I have to take care of. He withdrew himself. And so we have to withdraw ourselves, withdraw ourselves to pray. So it doesn't just happen. He was intentional. He was intentional about it. Let's look at another one. Here's another one. We see all types of prayer. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Mark chapter 1 and verse 35. And it reads, And in the morning... Rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Look at the intentionality. Rising up a great while before day, early in the morning, he went out. He found a solitary place. and There he prayed. And so notice the pattern there. Notice the habit pattern. Notice the discipline. Notice the fellowship. Notice how it was a part of his life. It was a part of his life. Let's look at another one. Now, I love that. You know, I love the fact that this one points out that he did it in the morning, a great while before day. And that's saying to us, what a great way to start your day. What a great way to start your day. Man, you know, the commercial says that the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. I disagree with that. The best part of waking up is you get to spend time with God. (laughs) The best part of waking up. If you think Folgers in your cup is the best part of waking up. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. No, the most exciting part of waking up, I get to go spend time with my Heavenly Father. I get to go spend time with my Heavenly Father. I get to spend time with Jesus. I get to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the best part of waking up. That's the best part of waking up. Oh, man, I get to spend time. God's standing there waiting for your eyes to open. That's how much he loves you. He's watching over you while you're sleeping. He's waiting for the moment your eyes open. He's waiting for the moment your eyes open. He's missed you throughout the night while you were asleep. He can't wait for you to wake up. He can't wait for you to wake up. So much he loves you. Oh, man. And so that's the best part. That's the best part of waking up. So I love that. So Jesus gives an example there how to start your day. And you start your day with God. It sets the tone for the whole day. Sets the tone for the whole day. You begin your day with prayer. 
You pray throughout the day and you end your day with prayer. Someone said that a day hemmed in by prayer is less likely to unravel. And so you hem your day in by prayer. You begin it with prayer. You pray throughout the day. You end it with prayer. Man, that day is hemmed in. That day is hemmed in. That day is hemmed in. I love that. And so Jesus couldn't wait to pray when your eyes open. Oh, man. First words out of your mouth should be a prayer. Oh, man. First words out of your mouth ought to be, Jesus, I love you. I love you, Heavenly Father. I love you. Thank you, Jesus. That should be the first words out of your mouth the moment your eyes open. Oh, man, because God's standing there waiting on you to wake up. Don't get me happy. Don't get <laughs> Oh, man, what a great way to start the day. Flip over to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verse 18. Here's another one. Luke chapter 9, verse 18. And it came to pass, as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him, and he asked them, saying, Whom say the people that I am? Notice that. So here's another instance. He was alone praying. So you see Jesus' life. Jesus' life was characterized by a whole lot of prayer. He prayed early in the morning. He would sneak off to pray in the mountain. He, was, he would go in the wilderness. Jesus was always sneaking off to pray. And you wonder why he walked in the spirit without measure. You wonder why he did the miracles. Well, it's because he was always connected with God. He was always connecting God. And Jesus realized that, that we can't live fruitful lives. We don't have anything to offer people if we haven't received anything from heaven ourselves. And so we receive it from heaven, and then we're able to freely share it with others. Praise God. Isn't that awesome? Oh, man, that is so awesome. It is so awesome. We receive from heaven, and when you fill up, heaven is like a filling station. And when you plug in and fill up, and now, man, you're out dispensing. You're out dispensing. You're out dispensing miracles. And you're out dispensing joy. And you're out dispensing love. And you're out dispensing peace. You're out dispensing miracles. You're out causing things to happen. You're bringing heaven on earth because you first hooked up with heaven yourself. You have something to pour out. You have something to share. And Jesus understood that. It's really a byproduct. The thing is, you love God so much, you just want to be with God. But the other stuff is just a byproduct. You get filled with God from being with him. It's a byproduct. It's a byproduct. And so the miracles are just a byproduct. It's a byproduct. We're not seeking him for the miracles. We're not seeking him for the other stuff. We're seeking him because it's him. We want to be with him. We want to be with him. Everything else is just a byproduct. He just happens to rub off on us because we're with him. He just rubs off on us. We come out of his presence and he's all over us. Oh, man. It's a byproduct, but Jesus understood that. Let's look at another one. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place. There it is again. Remember I said you ought to have a certain place? Well, I got it from Jesus. I got it from Daniel. I got it from Jesus. Jesus had a certain place. He prayed. As he was praying in a certain place, you should have a certain time. You should have a certain place. You should have a journal. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, look at this, teach us to pray. Look at that. Notice that. These guys noticed the habit of prayer that was in his life. 
They noticed his life was characterized by prayer. And they started becoming convicted because they didn't have a prayer life evidently. And they were like, Jesus, you're delighting in God. You're loving God. You got so much joy. Teach us. We want in on that too. We want in on that. They saw us. And so when you have a life of prayer, you begin to actually affect other people. Other people want to join in when they see what's happening in your life. And so that's how they asked Jesus, teach us to pray. Why did they ask the question? Because they saw him doing it so much. They saw him loving it. They saw the glow on his face when he would come out. They wanted in on that. Jesus, teach us too. We would like to pray. Teach us to pray. Teach us how to pray. Teach us to pray. Help us to have a life characterized by prayer. Help us to develop the habit of prayer like you. You're so connected with the Father. You're loving him and enjoying him. You're so fresh with his fragrance and his aroma. Teach us to pray as well. Let's look at another one. Matthew 14, Matthew 14, verse 23. Jesus went up into a mountain to pray. Notice the deliberate. He went up into a mountain to pray on purpose. He was always escaping. He was always escaping to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Man, he just went up there and spent the day in prayer. There should be some times you just mark days off your calendar. You just spend the whole day in prayer. Just tell everybody, I'm not coming out. I won't be out today. I'm just marking a day off. We mark days off for other stuff. We'll mark a day off to go fishing. We'll mark a day off to go shopping. We'll mark a day off to go to a ball game. We'll mark a day off to be sick. We'll mark a day off. (laughs) We'll mark a day off for any reason. How about marking a day off to pray? It's a novel idea. That's a novel idea. Oh, man, the world would be so much better if people marked a day off to pray. Praise God. I love that. I love that. And let's look at another one. Well, I think that was my last one. But anyway, you see Jesus sneaking off. What we learn from that, we learn it's a life of prayer. It's an attitude of prayer. It's a prayer habit. In fact, the Greek verb tense in a lot of those verses means it indicated that Jesus habitually withdrew for prayer. It was a pattern. and It was just as natural as breathing. Just as we breathe naturally for the Christian, prayer is just as natural as breathing. Just as natural as breathing. Notice we saw him doing it at different times. We saw him in the morning. We saw him at night. We saw him withdrawing. We saw him alone. We saw him making a deliberate effort. We saw him doing it all night. We saw him doing it at special times. We saw him doing it even in different places in the wilderness, in the mountains. And so, once again, it speaks of the quiet time, the solitude, the intimate time that we are to have with the Father. William Law said, he says, he who has learned to pray has learned the greatest secret of a holy and happy life. And someone asked Mother Teresa, they said, Mother Teresa, what's the secret to your devotion to God? And this was her answer. She said, my secret is simple. I pray. She says, through prayer, I become one with Christ. I realize that prayer to him is loving him. I love that. She becomes one with Christ. We become one with Christ. Through prayer. Prayer to him is 
loving him. Praise God. I'm going to stop right here. I'm not done, but I'll just stop right here. We'll pick up next time. Those of you who are watching by television, I want you to go to brothersoftheword.com. You can listen to this entire series on uncommon favor, also uncommon prayer, absolutely free of charge, and you can also email it to a friend. Thank you so much for joining us today at Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the Word. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was part 11 of the series titled Uncommon Favor, subtitled Uncommon Prayer, Part 2, by C. Elijah Bronner. This message is number 7918. That's 7918 to listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 7918 to a friend. Go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. Listen to BrothersOfTheWord.com often because, brother, you need the Word.